Folks, I want to remind you again about our friends over at Canopy and their line of CBD products. I used to wake up several times during the night, which made it hard to get out of bed in the morning and left me really feeling less than myself all day. But I can tell you from personal experience, my sleep has dramatically improved since I started using Canopy Nighttime Blend. Now I sleep straight through the night and wake up refreshed every morning. If sleep isn't your issue, they have a variety of products that can help you out. If you struggle with muscle aches after a workout or a day out on the golf course, if you have first tee jitters or your knees lock up in your backswing, check out trycanaby.com. That's T-R-Y-K-N-I-B-I.com and look at their selection of tictures, creams, and gummies that can give you the edge after you exercise or while you're out on the golf course. And really, just make all of your days better. Their hemp is 100% grown in the U.S. and you know we love that. And when you choose Canopy, you are choosing prized harvest, expert extractions, and precision manufacturing with zero artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So if you need help sleeping through the night like me, relief from muscle aches, or the pressure of a busy day, give Canopy a try. Again, that's trycanopy, T-R-Y-K-N-I-B-I dot com. And if you use coupon code TNT, you're going to get 20% off your first order. Again, trycanopy.com. You're going to be glad you did. Thursday Night Tailgate, where the spotlight is always on the positive. Tune in Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time to hear your favorite NFL legends, players, and coaches sharing their stories. Now back to Chris and Bob. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened to you tonight. Okay, now back in making his fifth appearance with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is former Broncos wide receiver Rick Upchurch. Let me remind you about his background. He's from Toledo, Ohio. Played his college ball first at Indian Hills Junior College, where he earned back-to-back All-American honors as a wide receiver, halfback, and kick returner. Transferred to the University of Minnesota, where he played in 1973 and 74 and was named a second-team All-Big Ten player. He led the team in rushing and scoring both years, plus led them in receptions in 1974. And folks, he averaged six yards per carry both years. Set the school record for most return yards in a season. He's still in their top 20 all-time in rushing yards, even though he was only there for two seasons. He was a fourth-round draft pick by the Denver Broncos in 1975, and he played in the league from 75 to 1983, all in Denver. He was selected to the Pro Bowl four times in 1976, 78, 79, and 82. And he set a league record for punt return touchdowns in a season with four in 1976. Over the course of his career, he had just over 10,000 all-purpose yards, was named to the team of the decade for the 1970s and the 1980s. He's a member of the Broncos' 50th anniversary team, and he's in their ring of honor. And we're honored to have him back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Rick, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming back on hey, the Rick. show. Hey, Chris and Bob, how you guys doing? We're fantastic, awesome. Rick. How are you? Happy New Year, my friend. Oh, happy New Year's to you guys as well, no doubt about it, man. And uh always great to be with you guys, man, and and uh chop it up a little bit. I appreciate Absolutely. you. Rick, I, I want to start by getting your thoughts on the the Broncos this season. Finished seven and ten, but uh that cost uh cost Vic Fangio his job. What's your thought on uh on them moving on from him? Well, you know, it's been a while since uh you know, we've been even been in the playoffs there in Denver and that's not something uh, that we're used to. Uh, we're used to going to the playoffs. We're used to going uh, to the Super Bowl. We're used to those things in Denver. And when they don't happen, certainly uh, there's going to be a lot of chatter about you 
uh, being replaced. And that's what happened, uh, with, uh, with Mr. Fangio. And, you know, uh, you know, he had three years, you know, to do what he had to do. And, uh, they didn't improve very much. And, and once again, with all the COVID stuff going on and things of that nature, that's disruption as well. But the key thing is this. The key thing is that the guys, man, on the team, they have to play day in and day out hard. And I didn't see a lot of energy sometimes in those games that they were playing in. And I think that's from coaching. I think uh, Pat Schumer, I think all of those guys, man, they needed to go. We need a fresh start. Rick, speaking of coaches, we lost Dan Reeves a few weeks ago, a guy who was near and dear to our hearts. Um, what do you remember about playing for Coach Reeves? Uh, I played with him for, played for him for three years, uh, from 1981, 82, and 83. I know that he was a disciplinarian. Uh, you know, he did things, everything, certainly by the book. Uh, he brought the, uh, Dallas mentality, uh, to our Denver team and, uh, very smart, very intelligent, uh, guy, no doubt about it. But he's the most I, I remember about him. He was a big time disciplinarian, uh, in what he did as far as the team was concerned. So yeah, he, he did what he had to do. One, he went to what, three Super Bowls and, uh, won a number of AFC championships and that whole deal. So I think all of those things speak for, uh, Dan Reese and who he is and what he brought to this, uh, Denver Bronco organization. Rick, I, I marvel at punt and kick returners from your era and you were the best. Um, there's like car crashes going on all around you when you're trying to return a punt <laughs> or a kick and, and you had, you know, over 3,000, you know, punt return yards over the course of your career, eight punt returns for touchdowns, including four in 1976. You throw in another nearly 2,400 yards and kickoff returns. Talk about your vision, your feel for making opportunities for big returns, setting up your blockers. How are you so good at it? Well, first I had a guy given talent and that was speed. <laughs> and then I had a great vision of the field. And, and understand I have been doing it for so long. I mean, I remember just uh, playing out in the yard with my cousins and my, and my brothers and everybody. And I loved returning, returning kicks because in the open field, nobody could ever catch me. And so I loved it because I made everybody look silly in that ordeal. And as I, you know, moved on high school, college, it was just natural for me. And I loved it. And I loved it because it was a game changer. And the way it was a game changer for me, I thought in my mind, I said, if I can get or the offense man in good field position, boy, that means the, the field is short, and that means we don't have to have very many plays to get into the end zone. And then if I get to the end zone, that means that's six points or seven points that we didn't uh, even expect. So I, I loved it. I think special teams is one of the most outstanding parts of, of football. Five questions for Rick. It's great to speak with you again, Rick. And uh, you're – Talk about another man who passed away one year ago, Floyd Little. I mean, Floyd Little, yes. Floyd Little's last year in the league was your first, Rick. Um, you know, his best days were behind him, but he still was playing at a decent level. Just give mm -hmm. us uh, our, your memories of Floyd. I was, pre I was fortunate enough to have dinner with him once in New Haven. He is from New Haven right here, but, uh, mm -hmm. just seemed like a hell of an all around guy and, um, obviously got him to the Hall of Fame. He's a great guy. I call him class. I always called him class. And he took all of us rookies, us young guys, man, under his wing and made sure that we were professionals, professional uh, people first and then professional football players and then carry ourselves right 
in the community because remember, he was the guy that built up the Denver Broncos, man, because he was the number one draft choice, man, that the Broncos had ever had. And so he took all of us under the wing. Uh, he said, man, this is the way to be a professional. This is how you work hard, man, so that you get results out of what you're doing out there on the field. He would throw parties at the end of camp and that would bring everybody over to his house. And boy, he was just a gem of a person. Total, total class. When he said he was going to do something, Floyd Little did it. Rick, on this show, Chris and I often talk uh, about the upbringing of uh, our guests and uh, the sports they played as a youth and if all of those sports uh, contributed contributed to them getting to the NFL from a uh, all-around standpoint. Tell us about your upbringing and do you see the advantage in, in people playing multi-sports in order to get to the NFL? Absolutely, you have to play uh, multi-sports because you have different skill sets. Everybody's not an offensive lineman. So sometimes, man, you want to go and, and do some wrestling so that now you understand how to have a base or a linebacker, how to have a base and bring people down and wrap them up. Basketball, how to jump for a wide receiver or even for a defensive end, be able to jump, get up off the ground and knock balls down and that eye-hand coordination. And then uh, for running back, for me, I ran track. Though I love track and that whole deal. I ran the 400, I ran the 200, I ran the 100. I ran the 60. I was a long jump champ in Ohio on that old deal. So I thought track, man, was the best thing because when I kicked it in the gear, I already knew I had run against some of the best sprinters in the United States because I went to the AAUs and uh, back there in Ohio. We had great sprinters back there. So I knew that when I stepped out on the field, I would say to myself and I would say to them, there's none of you that can stay with me. Rick, going back to um, your rookie season, you come into the league in 75. Your first game was against the Chiefs, and you caught a touchdown pass right out of the gate. It was the Broncos' first touchdown of the season. What was it like for you to come in and make a splash like that? It was great. I mean, you don't expect anything, uh, you know, like the game that I had. Uh, but what you do is you always – my coach always told me, he says, Rick, always be ready and prepared. Because you never, never know when you're going to have to go into the game. And so that stuck with me all the way from high school to always be ready and prepared. Make sure, man, you know what's going on and that whole deal. And that's what happened in that game when Haven Moses was injured and that whole deal. I had to go in and I had to take his place. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. So yeah, it was, it was great. It was, it was, I mean, it was beyond anything uh, that I thought that I would do. Certainly in my in my debut game, that's for sure. And Rick, you mentioned Haven Moses. I mean, in the eighties, you were a part of a very talented receiving group in Denver that included Haven Moses, Steve Watson, who I don't think gets enough credit, Riley Odoms at, at tight end, Dave Preston, also another wide receiver. Talk about what it was like playing alongside those guys. It was great. We were always working with each other and making each other better. Uh, we were always encouraging each other. And if you needed to be, you know, talked to, man, to, to up your game, then we were able to do it. And we didn't take offense to it because we were a team. We were a family. We all wanted to get better. And we wanted to get to the playoffs, guys. We hadn't been to the playoffs. We hadn't, you know, done anything respectfully in that West, in the Western Division until we beat uh, the uh, Oakland Raiders, beat them at home. And so to have those guys in the corner, man, Gratis Jar, Otis Armstrong, 
uh, Louis Wright, uh, Reuben Carter, and Lyle Alvedo. These are all character guys, and all they wanted to do was win, and they made sure that you were accountable for everything that you did. And, Rick, John Elway comes along in 1983. Prior to that, you had Craig Morton and Steve DeBerg as the quarterbacks. And, and I'm guessing the ball coming at you from John Elway was a little bit different than the ball coming at you from Craig Morton. Was there a transition from Morton to, to Elway that you had to make? Oh, yes, you did. Without a doubt. Boy, those laces was coming, and they were turning, baby. They were cutting people's fingers up. One guy, man, had his fingers split. I remember one another guy, man, had the strings on his uh, shoulder pads, man, cutting that whole deal. So what we would get do is get on the throwing machine, boy, and crank that thing up and, uh, and, and you know, catch the ball. We were doing some kung fu stuff, man, to make our hands tough. <laughs> we were doing all kinds of stuff, guys, in order to get used to that type of a ball because I was used to catching the ball from Craig Morton. Steve DeBerg had one of the best balls that anybody could ever want. Uh, as far as a quarterback is concerned, I mean, he could place it. He had a great touch on it in that deal. But for John, John had to learn. John had to learn because he he couldn't read the defenses. He would come back and say, "Gosh, these guys." He didn't say those words. He said, "Those guys are fast." I said, "Yeah, John, let the ball go." <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said, "You got to let the ball go, bro, because once again, if you just wait and hesitate for a second." They're going to respond, and they'll be there to intercept the ball. So, yeah, he, he, you know, once again, he tried to force it in. And, boy, he could throw the ball, baby, because, you know, he played baseball. Bob, one more for Rick. Yeah, Rick, I've always considered you one of the most valuable guys to their team back in that area because of the mile-high environment and the thin air out there. I mean, guys are chasing you all over the field for the whole game. And they got to be gassed. I, I want you to talk about that mile high feeling, the thin air. How long did it take you to get used to it? And I guess it was a major advantage for you guys at times. Well, I remember when I first got there uh, to Denver and when they brought us in and, and we got out there and started running sprints. And I was like, where's the air? And it was oh. real thin. And remember, it's, when it's cold in that hotel, the air is thinner. So the lungs were burning in that hotel. And it took about it took a good two weeks to, th- to a month for me to get used uh, to the breathing aspect of it and taking in the deep breaths and that whole deal. So, uh, yeah, it, it takes time. Uh, the lungs, they expand. So during the summers and that whole deal, what we would do is we, we would ride from Denver. We'd ride to Boulder. We would ride up, to, uh, up into the mountains and that whole deal. And we would put in time at that altitude and that whole deal. So, when, like you said, when teams would come in, uh, you know, from altitude, boy, they, it was rough on them. In fourth quarter, fourth quarters was ours, and that's what that's what our motto was. Fourth quarter is ours, and the ball was thin, and and the air was thin. So now for kickers and for quarterbacks throwing the ball, they could throw the ball longer, and kickers could kick the ball longer. So you know, it had its advantages, and then it had its disadvantages as well, guys. And Rick, speaking of Mile High Stadium, you're in the the Broncos Ring of Honor. What was it like for you to be in that stadium, and now you get to see your name up there? Uh, you know, I'm grateful and thankful, uh, you know, for the organization, man, and allowing me to be uh, put into uh, the Ring of Ring of Honor there, and uh, with all the other great ball players uh, that they feel like you really contributed uh, to the Denver Broncos organization and raised it up. So. 
Uh, I, first of all, I give, I give honor to God. I thank him so much for the talent, the body that he gave me in that whole deal. And then I thank the Denver Broncos for, uh, you know, um, bringing me in and allowing me to be the best that I could possibly be, guys. And I'm, I'm thankful. And speaking of being thankful, I see that, um, your mom recently celebrated her 90th birthday. What a blessing to still have her with you. Oh, man, I know that's right, man. Mama will need it, no doubt about it. Boy, girlfriend can cook, man. She can cook them that food, man. Boy, I tell you, fill us up and just give us love each and every time we we sit down and talk. And, you know, I'm the, I was the oldest boy in that whole deal, so I was the first boy in that whole deal. So I had to get a lot of the discipline. The other kids didn't. <laughs> so, so, so my mom, when mom spoke, I would listen, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love my mother. I love my mother, and I am so thankful. I thank God every morning and every day, man, that she's still with us. Yes. Rick, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with what you're doing now and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Well, yeah, for Facebook. They can go on Facebook, man, and hit up on Facebook, uh, you know, Rick Up Church, and put my name in, and you can see exactly what I'm doing, what I haven't done. Or you can go to uh, a company that I'm with. It's called Secrets, man. We, uh, you know, we have uh, great products. We have skin products. We have nutritional products. And we also have travel. We have those three things hooked together. And so I go around, man, uh, building teams around the country and that whole deal and showing people how to be entrepreneurs. Well, Rick, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. It's always fun having you here. We hope you come back and do it again soon. You know what, guys? Thank you so very much. Job well done, guys. No doubt about it. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure, sir. Take care, Rick. All the best to you and your family. All right. Take care, guys. See you, Rick. Take care, Rick. That's the great Rick Upchurch. And, Bob, I think what you said a moment ago, um, a guy tremendously valuable to that Denver Broncos organization over the years for, for the multi-purpose yards that he put in as a, as a receiver and a kick returner. Uh, and, uh, I think that was brilliant. Great. You're right. Uh, thin air trying to catch a guy like Rick Upchurch had to be driving defensive backs crazy back in the seventies and eighties. Oh, those players must have looked at him and just, yeah, <clears throat> just looking at him probably just made their eyes go back to their in the back of their head because this guy was <clears throat> all over the field and I'm looking at some of his numbers Chris his punt return return yardage was insane you know when you average 16 yards for punt return and one year he averaged 28 yards for kick returns and it's sad that guys don't get to do that anymore uh but he was as valuable as any guy in the league for a long time and uh definitely worthy of some hall of fame consideration just from his returning um numbers because we'll never see anything like that again yeah 100 percent. four four punt returns for a touchdown in 1976 wow what an electric <laughs> yeah. uh returner he was all right we've got our next guest carrie glenn hanging on the line we're going to get to carrie right on the other side of this real quick station break 